Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico from the Made in China podcast and, of course, SourceFindAsia.com. Uh, today's episode was pretty great. Like, uh, this week we did a truly international podcast. Uh, I am, of course, in Guangzhou. Mike is in Chicago at the moment. And we interviewed Russell Smith from StrategicManufacturer.com. He was in Chiang Mai, Thailand when we did this episode. So Russell's business is he does online marketing services and general web development for Chinese manufacturers. So he develops their websites and he performs um, general online marketing services, like I said. So I thought it was a very interesting business model because he's targeting Chinese customers, which is potentially a huge market and a somewhat untapped market. So without further ado, I will let you listen to the episode. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. Yeah, so you know, the, obviously, the reason the reason why I wanted to to talk to you is because you have an, a very interesting business model. Uh, you you had told me yourself that you started off sourcing and that 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 didn't quite work out. So, can you give me like a brief introduction into what you did sourcing uh, and why that wasn't quite suitable for you? Sure, no problem. So, um, I mean, I first came to China like two thousand and nine, where I was uh, teaching English, learning Chinese. Um, and so pretty quickly, I started to look for more opportunities uh, that I could use my Chinese language for. So first thing I did was like get into buying in China, selling back on eBay. Um, and then after a while, I did try to transition into sourcing as well. Um, but I found there was sort of quite a a few things about the sourcing business which I found uh, quite difficult for me personally, and in the end, I I didn't go into that business. Mm-hmm. I we spoke earlier, uh, like two weeks ago, and we we're kind of talking about some of the difficulties in terms of um, you know with clients when you're sourcing. A lot of times, people and Mike's talked about it to me many times. A lot of times, you find yourself justifying your your services or the prices that you're charging. Yeah, I found it particularly difficult. Um, I did a few test jobs for my friends and I did some small jobs and I found it really hard with the the client on one side who wants the low price and the high quality and then the factory on the other side that wants the higher price and they're trying to lower the quality. I kind of felt like the two sides were, were trying to squeeze me out mm-hmm. um, and actually I found it it was a lot of work a hell of a lot of work to try and like reconcile the differences in the requirements of the two sides. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of back and forth, a lot of information and also the cultural difference. And so I felt like there was a lot of work involved. And yet at the same time, I found it very difficult to like justify the price um, to the clients. Mm-hmm. I think it's just hard to get, for me, I, I found it hard to get that message across. Like, why are they paying me the money? Um, because, Maybe I, I guess it depends on on the quality of the, of the client as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but they felt that it for them they couldn't see how much work was going on. Um. So and you you don't live in China anymore, right? No, I'm down in Phuket now. 
What uh when did you when did you leave China? How much time do you spend in China these days? I think in general I spend about half of my time in China, half of my time out. I actually spent 9 months of this year, 2015, uh in China. But say the previous year I was only there for a month or two. Um mm-hmm. most heavily like I was in China between 2009 and 2013. Um then I started to look a bit more around Southeast Asia. Okay. So you were sourcing for a while and then you started to realize it's it's it wasn't working for you then what did you do did you go directly into what you're doing right now with online marketing or was there a little bit of a transition? Yeah, I mean the whole the whole period was a period of transition from my eBay business which is the first thing I ever did mm-hmm. uh online. But I was quite heavily tied down with like all the stock in my bedroom. I actually flew back to England to open like a warehouse in my bedroom. Um and then eventually we we moved out into like a fulfillment house started to get a bit more mature with the business um mm-hmm. but from that moment on really I was looking for location independent really like a 100% online business that could be run from anywhere mm-hmm. um and that was actually the time when I was looking into uh doing sourcing which isn't 100% location independent anyway um and it was that time I was doing you know copywriting building websites mostly I was my online marketing was all faced towards uh western companies because it's obviously the the culture I I feel most comfortable with um and actually it was only the beginning of this year I spent 9 months back in China it's an idea that I've been toying with you know for quite a long time poking the idea of actually it's at the very very beginning of night the this 9 months in China um where I arranged my first Chinese clients for uh web development and that idea i'd actually had in the back of my mind for quite some time this idea of working with the chinese you know rather than just buying from them actually trying to work for them work with them mm-hmm. um and that was the first time that i actually managed to land a client and get get moving yeah that's something that you know mike and i have talked about a bunch of times i've been you saying that you know china is so huge you know growing middle class if you can figure out how to sell to the chinese you know that that's that's uh that could be a lucrative business going forward you know i think a lot of people just think about exporting and you know coming up with things here and then selling to westerners but like you know the future the money is here so if you can figure out something that's uh appealing to chinese or that's missing here then that that could be a big thing in the future huge man yeah i think um cuz i a lot of people talk about selling products in china as well if they can uh, get into e-commerce in china and you know i thought about that a lot there's a lot of people importing brands because you know chinese love to buy foreign brands um but you know for ages i used to look at their websites and just think man these like they just suck you know anyone that looks at them thinks like these guys need help so why is there this big challenge of actually working with them together mm-hmm. you know why did it take me so long on to get round to it mike wants to chime in yeah I, sure. well russell russell i just wanted to take a quick step back um obviously you said you're from from england was that when you were in sourcing and, and working with the clients were they all from england or were you working with other western companies as well um yeah i was working us uk and australia okay and how involved were you with their websites and their marketing and you know how how much of a role did you have in that or were you just 
you know, because you're interested in business and you wanted to get into sourcing, you just were familiar with how to market and how to sell products. Yeah, I mean, I had to study, you know, 50-50, like I'm learning from my own business as I go, but then, yeah, I'm reading blogs, reading books and, you know, pushing, pushing ahead of slightly ahead of what I already know, taking on slightly bigger challenges, learning from the challenges. Yeah. All right. So then I'd be, I'd be super interested to know, you know, how the, the, the first client came about and, and how you, you know, it's one thing to say, Hey, you know, I saw an opportunity. I know that the Chinese websites don't look so good and next, this could be a great service, but to, to know how you actually jumped into it, I'd, I'd really like to hear. Sure. Yeah. No problem at all. I mean, as you might be able to imagine, um, my first client, I had been nurturing a relationship with him for close to five years. Um, not specifically to work with him, but just we'd been friends for a long time. Um, he's a factory boss. I was his English teacher in 2009, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and like, and they all say that study, uh, teaching English in China is a waste of time, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's going to lead to something eventually. Who knows? But the point is, like, we just, we kept in touch. We'd met up a couple of times. Anytime I was going to be in town, I'd let him know and we'd go out for dinner. Um, and it was, it was through, like, talking to him. I'd also, you know, because of the sourcing, I've met a few other bosses. So we kept in, in touch on, on QQ. Um, and then, so so then we get to the point where you're looking at Chinese websites and you're thinking, oh, that would be a huge opportunity. You know, if I could just get X percent of that market, I'd be rich. Um, and I just fired my ideas across to him. I just, you know, I started to talk to him more and more. Um, but I was framing it as like, not that I want to work for him necessarily, but like, man, I've got this idea. I think it could be really good. And I framed it as... Like, I want to help. I think I could really, like, bring value to Chinese suppliers. I think I could really, like, share. I told him I'd been learning a lot about internet marketing from the work I'm doing with Western companies. And that really got his attention. Um, And from there, he came back to me, actually, and said, like, that sounds really incredible. What do you think of my website? (laughs) Honest answer, like think it needs improvement man like i sent him back a lot of screenshots like change this change this change this um and then pretty much like he just came back to me saying like wow like uh, i would love you to help me with my website um and then you know i didn't know a price i just went away made a little estimation of a price pitched what i thought was quite high at the time actually it's like half of what i'm quoting the new clients now uh-huh. Uh-huh. we went from there but the point is that it started from a long relationship which had trust yeah i think for people who have been in china a long time it's kind of second nature but um you know there's there's when i before i came to china 2007 2006 i was um reading about it and and all the time people always talk about about guanxi and Guanxi is basically the direct translation is like cooperation, but it just means in business and in life that relationship is a huge part of everything. You know, you you see it at Chinese companies all the time. You know, when we go to the factories and the bosses from Jiangxi, for example, 
all the employees are also from John Shi, you know? So I think mm -hmm. that that's a really, really big aspect of doing business in China. And, um, you know, like, like you just said, it led to your first client and got your foot in the door for this new business. And I know for me as well, you know, I, I, five years ago I was teaching English the same. Those are still some of my friends and still some of the people that have, that have helped recommend me for certain for certain jobs or certain clients. So I just I think that's a huge, huge, uh, important note to to to. Yeah, and and you know, for us as well, you know, with our with our company, our first four employees were my students. You know. Um, I used to teach them. There so you go. It, it's super important in China, and and these guys are they're amazing people, and it, it, that's how you developing those kind of relationships. You never know what it's going to lead to, right? Mm -hmm. So, so you get your first client like that. How do you how do you get clients now? <clears throat> so the first client was at day one. The second client came about six months later. I didn't. I didn't take it seriously as as an idea. Like, I mean, I took it seriously, but I couldn't have, I couldn't rely on it in any way because I did not also didn't know where my next clients were going to come from. Mm -hmm. But one hundred percent from relationships, and actually one hundred percent so far stemming from the the initial contact, um, friends of his. Mm -hmm. Or so the story is he. Then most of them are from Shenzhen, Dongguan, Guangzhou, this area. Um, and actually all of them attended like Alibaba training sessions together. <laughs> um, and so they've got this class feeling. They're all members of this class. Um, there's like a hundred bosses in the group. And so my original friend told me, hey, you know, we've got these groups on QQ and I think a lot of them would be interested like in your services. So if you want, I could make some introductions for you. I said, of course, like I'd love to do that. And what I did was I just said to him, look, if you've got any friends that want help with their website, tell them to add me on QQ and I will help them. I'll give them tips about their site. They can show me their site. And then what I started to do is just make a really quick, like Microsoft Word, transfer it into a PDF document. Mm -hmm. Just saying like, you know, get this out of the header, put this in the header, like take this off the front page. This is what should be on the home page. Um, you know, improve the copy, sort the links out, this kind of thing. Real simple stuff. And then, you know, I just put my company logo at the top and at the bottom of the PDF mm -hmm. and just started doing these for free. I did kind of five or six. Um, and then the second client, it took me from meeting him online, the initial conversation was really simple hey how's it going yeah good i heard you can do websites sure um and i didn't land that client for about two months until after we'd first spoken they you know they come back with a quick question then they disappear for a few weeks then they come back with another question um and only like when that second website was landed then i started to think okay cool there could be something here because that was my first job with a stranger um so it was a little bit like uh, the first time was free, you know, and then you, you got them hooked. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, help for free first and, and try and build some trust. Because um, what I've noticed is basically all the people, um, I've had six clients so far, mm -hmm. they all know each other and they all talk about me with each other. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, how's it going with you? So because the first one and two had a good experience with me, 
then suddenly three or four more people add me. I've had like probably like 20 to 30 different people add me and inquire. So but I, then, I, yeah. I've got two questions stemming off of that. So <clears throat> when they add you on QQ, like what, what's that first initial conversation? Like, is it, are you speaking in English? Are you speaking in Chinese? And then the second question would be that you do, you said they're talking about you. How do you show results? Like how do they how do they measure the results? Okay, cool. So the initial conversation actually is probably where I made the biggest mistakes at the beginning, um, mm-hmm. because my no matter how much how long I've spent in China, my mindset for business is still really hooked on this Western. So we start to just talk about the website, talk about the benefits, talk about the package. Um, and I, you know, sometimes it feels like I'm not sure if I've really made a connection with them. You know, they'll say, okay, thank you. Then we won't talk for like a week or two. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be quite base level, but then, I mean, it, it could go either way. The bosses all have their different personality. Sometimes they just really want to speak Chinese and luckily I can type, you know, basic Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and then one of the guys just wanted to jump on a phone call straight away. He just wanted to talk. Um, and he just wanted to hear my voice. I think we hardly spoke for, you know, a minute or two, but it felt like he was confirming, oh, okay, this this guy's real. Um, he, he exists. Generally, the conversations are real simple. <laughs> he exists. It's, it's actually a foreign guy talking to me. Not, I, you know. I'd heard about you before. <laughs> well, this Chinese guy's got that accent down, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Um, Honestly, it's really different. In general, the conversations at the beginning are very simple. And what I've learned to do now is just make friends with them. Just as I did with my original friend, but we have less time to do it in. But still, as fast as I can, just to make some kind of personal contact. Right. That's crazy too, isn't it? Sorry, Rico. That's crazy too, because, you know, where, where we're from... I mean, business doesn't really work like that. I mean, to some yeah. extent, you still it's still about a, a relationship, but you know, you know, ha- making that business connection, and then you have a business relationship. But it isn't so much about about friends. You don't think of things like that. You know, like when people who find us through the website or through Instagram or, or one of our you know various platforms, mm-hmm. when they contact us, it's a very different steps, you know, very different set process in order for them to get to the point where they feel comfortable hiring us for a certain task. But with Chinese people, it's very much about that relationship and making friends prior to, you know, starting services with, with that person. So it seems like it's almost yeah. uh, the consistency is like a, it's like a slow dance really like uh, you know you, they, they contact you and then you give them some information and then they go away they think about it you you they come back you build you're building up this relationship before you actually you know make make a, a commitment right absolutely um some of what you said was a bit unclear there so if, if my response doesn't fit then i apologize but i it feels like in the West, when when we do business, the first thing is like, "Hey, man! Like, uh, you know, I've seen your I've seen your content. Um, I heard you do sites. Like, what's the deal? You know?" Mm-hmm. And right. I say, "Yeah, yeah, cool. You know, we do sites. We will optimize your page. We're gonna do this and this. We're gonna give you some copywriting hostings. This this is how we do the URL. This is the price." Um, and they'll go, "Cool, man. You know, sounds good." Or or they'll question it. 
but in China, that's kind of like, whoa, 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 you know, put the brakes on a bit, <laughs> like, right. not ready for that. It's like you said, this kind of slow dance where like, hey, we're going to make friends and oh, by the way, yeah, I do websites. Oh, very good. You know, um, maybe we could uh, cooperate one day. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd love to cooperate one day and, um, you know, tell me more about anything, your life, your business, but you slowly kind of, you come in, you talk to them, then you step away for a while, then you come back. And you kind of build up this portfolio of experiences with each other. Um, and it helps like 10 times or more, like if you're also building up that portfolio of experiences with their friends as well. Now, um, you're you're in and out of China. You said you spent nine months um, here this year. Any of these bosses, did you ever spend time like physically with them? Did you ever go out with them and, and sort of build that relationship like that? Sure. Um, so I, I can't remember if I told you this or not, Rico. Um, we may have mentioned it last time we talked. Actually, I had three contracts waiting to be signed, like mm-hmm. three deals on the table. Um, and I went to Dongguan actually to do a presentation. It was for, it was organized uh, by a company called Hank. And then they do every week different kind of bosses, Alibaba sales reps, they go for internet marketing training. I went there to give one of these seminars and then I ended up giving two more trainings at the company of one of the people who we were negotiating the contract and kind of all the friends were there. So the other two guys that I was negotiating contract were also there plus plus a few more bosses. Um, And that was the first time I'd met these guys in person and the difference from before and after is really un- unrecognizable like completely once they'd seen my face the skepticism was gone like our, our conversations were less them questioning me uh, like the questions felt like you know okay is this real how's this gonna go how's that gonna go in after it much more felt like how can we work together you know it was like we basically made friends um it's really like completely different from before and after and actually we went and had brunch together me and four bosses my original friend plus three more we we mentioned no business we were eating for two hours relaxing i was incredibly tired i didn't even try to impress and at the end of the business at the end of the brunch one guy just said to me russ we want to we want to make a website i said cool like you want to make a website he said no we me and him and him. We want a website. Each. I was like, oh, really? Uh, you know, I don't know when they discussed that. I don't know when they talked about that. It certainly wasn't at the brunch. But at the end of the brunch, three contracts were closed. Just wow, like that's that. Great. Wow. That's great. Yeah. So, and no one mentioned the contract. <laughs> so, okay, you know, you get the three contracts signed and it seems like you're moving. How do you plan on scaling the business? For me, like the China side at this stage is always going to be very unpredictable. Mm-hmm. I've learned a lot. I feel like I've made huge progress, but who knows, man? You sit down to brunch, you get free contracts. It might be another three months before I get another. Um, so what I'm actually going to do is is focus my business uh, in you know marketing for manufacturers, also on Western manufacturers, because um, the needs are basically the same and it's skill that I can offer. Um, I'm going to use this opportunity to like stabilize the business and I feel I can get a much more stable income from the Western side. Um, 
And then I'm just going to roll with China as much as I can. I'm going to visit again, do more seminars and grow as much as I can within this group. Because even within Dongguan, I mean, this first six websites that I've done, if that can be a nice portfolio and a good, solid group of friends that trust me, that can recommend me to more people, then I don't see, I don't see in theory why that can't snowball um, from city to city. I've done, you know, I can get more in Dongguan, move to Guangzhou, move to Shenzhen, then there's also other areas of like high concentration manufacturers. Um, that's my plan. I also think you should consider, you know, working with or talking to people like us, for example. I mean, you know, between Rico and I, we've been in China for years and we've been working with, you know, dozens of different products across dozens of different industries. And I've probably stepped foot in, you know, 200 plus factories and I have relationships with at least 10% of them, you know, very strong relationships with all these, these people. So, you know, that's another, another idea as well as working off your friends who you do know in China, you know, not just the Chinese side, but mm. also the foreigners who are, who are connecting factories to, to Western businesses as, as sourcing agents as well. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you there. I was, I'm not sure how to structure it quite yet, whether I structure it with like, um, you know, a percentage, like a commission if they help me find a job. But there's a lot of people like the Amazon FBA really hot at the moment. And the whole thing is going to China sourcing. So, as you said, yeah, I, I, I also know a lot of people that are working directly with manufacturers, so could be a really good way in there, for sure. Relationships, again. Exactly. So going from that, I have, I have two questions. Um, do you think it's, it's a realistic uh, business model for a foreigner to come to China and then focus on just selling to Chinese or trying to provide a service to Chinese? And then the second thing is, uh, what were your initial failures tapping into the Chinese market? Do you have any horror stories about doing business in China? Okay, cool. I mean, for the first one, is it viable for foreigners to go direct to China? I mean, I think it would be difficult, not to say impossible. Um, and I think if someone did do that, then they would have to like really show an interest in China. Mm. So <clears throat> for me, like, um, I'm married to a Chinese woman, so my wife's Chinese, and not to say I use that, but that helps in my story of how committed I am to, to China and the success of China. Okay. And when I talk to them, I talk about helping them succeed and, you know, sharing with them what I've learned from, from the Western world. Mm -hmm. um, so I definitely think, like, at least they should be learning Chinese or, or like, strongly showing their commitment to China itself. Um, and then the next thing would just be, like, get those relationships going. I don't know how they do it on the ground, like attend networking events, start meeting people and make friends. Like don't, don't just hit people up for business. Mm -hmm. But if they went with the interest of making friends with people who are in business, get more invites, get more, um, in, you know, invitations and, uh, introductions. That's how I think it would go down. Like I wouldn't necessarily recommend people do that, but, I think that would be have to be the way, in my opinion. So it sounds like you you would recommend that people come in and assimilate into the culture, get you know get really genuinely involved, uh, making relationships, and then from there kind of branching out into into business with Chinese people. Like that would be what I personally recommend. Not saying there's no other way to do it, but okay. from my feeling, especially working with the bosses, it seems to me that it's very important to them 
that I'm committed to China in my way. From a time perspective, what, what are you looking at during that? If someone was going to land on the ground and... Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, from my first client to my second client was six months. And that was after I'd been in China five years, but I wasn't pushing it hard. Like I wasn't pushing it hard. So if they were like going for it networking, <clears throat> I didn't see any reason why they couldn't pick up a new client every month. If they were networking every night, making friends, you know, drinking the baijiu, drinking <laughs> the baijiu, going to the dinners. No reason why not. I mean, I think the place <laughs> is is wide open, um, but make those friends and be genuine about it. By the way, if anyone doesn't sure. know what baijiu is, it's it's a uh, Chinese white wine or rice wine. It's some of the strongest alcohol on the planet. <laughs> Basically, Potions. if you're coming to China and you want to develop these relationships, you better build your alcohol tolerance before <laughs> landing. <laughs> I can't. I can't think that baijiu match. Fully agree. <laughs> so yeah, my my second yeah. question was: um, Did you have any any? What were your main difficulties tapping into the market, and did you have any horror stories related to doing business in China? Hmm. Horror stories so far, not really, not nothing, nothing really terrible. And to, you know, to be honest, I'm still, I'm still making my failures. I'm still tapping in. Um, the most, the most obvious one at the beginning is just going at it like the Western way. You know, hey, here's my packages. Here's what we're going to do. Talk. Let's talk business. Mm -hmm. um, it, it it took something for me to lay back and almost just like not focus on business at all. Mm -hmm. Just be like, you know, I know that they've got a business that would benefit from working with me. They know that I've got skill that would benefit their business and we both know it's going to cost money. There's kind of no reason to really mention it again until they kind of subtly bring it up. Or So that was like really the biggest Russell, mistake. Russell, could you, could you just um, repeat your last sentence? Sure. What was it? <laughs> it was after you said. <laughs> it was after you said you know that they could benefit from doing business with you, and you know that um, vice versa. Yeah. Cool. So we both know that we could work together, and we both know that it would cost money, and then really just focus on the friendship from that point until they bring it up, and then you give the detail freely, or mm -hmm. like you can subtly bring it in. Um, but you know, don't let that be like the main focus of the interaction. Kind of frame it with some interest in their life, in their family, in the weather, anything really. That was really my my biggest mistake, I think. Um, and as for still tapping in, like step by step. Let's transition into the differences. The main differences we already touched on it a little bit, but like the differences between the Western business culture and, and the Chinese business culture and specifically the differences between a Chinese website, a stereotypical Chinese website and a foreign website. Sure. So, I mean, I think the main thing we've already touched on is this like relationship focus, as Mike said, guanxi, they call it. Mm -hmm. And then like focusing the conversation less on, on the business at hand and more on, on the relationship. Um, as for websites, uh, what I've noticed with Chinese websites is that they're very, very busy. Um, there's stuff everywhere. 
there's pop-up boxes, there's pictures, there's flashing, underlining, you know, the, the, the whole screen is packed, mostly with text. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my opinion, this comes from like an aspect of Chinese culture, and they actually call it now, which means hot and noisy. Hmm. Um, and it's Chinese love now. Mm-hmm. And it basically means if there's a restaurant that's packed and the, there's people spilling out of the restaurant, then that means that that restaurant's got good food and we should try to go to that restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, versus maybe the Western experience where we would see a nice, quiet, empty restaurant and we think, perfect, the place is ours, you know? Yeah. Um, and so Chinese web design is a bit like that. I actually worked with some English schools a while ago and you know, they, they pay people just to post and post and post on their own forum just to make it look like there's always something happening. Um, and this is like a really classic problem with their websites, um, which makes it quite off-putting for, I think, a foreigner when they, when they see the Chinese site and all we think is like, man, we can't find what we want. You know, where is anything? All I see is like everything. Mm-hmm. And so I can't find what I actually want. You know. I always, I always feel like Chinese websites just, just remind me of the old MySpace accounts. There's so much going on. There's so many blinking lights. I'm just yeah. like, what, what is happening right now? Shooting stars. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, actually, it's interesting. You, you're talking about that, you know, the, the text thing. I remember before I came to China, and I was like browsing these Chinese university websites and I was just like, this is crazy. Like, this is, what is all this text? I don't know how to navigate this. And I started doing, I, it was so much that I started doing research into it. And I came across this uh, professor who was teaching in China. And he said, he was saying that uh, he, he's, his experience in teaching and the way Chinese students have been taught to learn was that, you know, they've been taught to memorize, right? So, they, they've been taught to take in a bunch of information, mainly in textbooks, of course, and just re- regurgitate that onto paper. So that, that's what, that's what they're used to seeing. They're used to seeing walls of text. Whereas he was saying with foreigners or in Western culture, we try to, te- we try to install like understanding more than memorizing. So when we go to a website, we want to understand what's going on and, and sort of see, okay, I need to go here if I want to learn about this and I need to go there if I want to learn about that and take in that. Whereas uh, for the for the Chinese culture, it was more like you just see a bunch of text and you want to kind of take in that information and memorize it. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, t- I completely agree with you there and it's probably an aspect of their culture as well. They're much more used to chaotic environments Mm-hmm. maybe you know sure. with kind of tight living conditions and and family life is quite close there's less personal space um so i think they're just much more y- used to making sense of chaos um whereas we want it laid out very nicely to land on the website i'm looking for this kind of category click i'm looking for this kind of machine click i'd like to have some information click there's all the information and if i want to contact you there's the perfect place to contact you click you know, that's what we're looking for in a, in a website experience. Um, but I think the function of the website in the Chinese mind, this is a guess of mine, um, might be different because so far all of my clients not interested in my website at all. <laughs> Absolutely not interested. Like they don't, they've, they kind of want to know maybe if I have one and they'll look at it 
and it'll just be a check like okay cool they've got one mm-hmm. but they won't really use that to to check out my packages or my business they're going to just like check my website okay cool it exists but i didn't see much and now they're going to come and ask me um whereas i think as westerners we put quite a high like uh emphasis on on our experience on the website yeah, it might be the most important aspect of, of an introduction to someone's business. Sure, yeah. Absolutely. Hey, Russell, I was curious, uh, what type of SEO or PPC tactics work with these Chinese factories? Work, I haven't offered those packages to them yet. Um, so I, I can't really be, I can't really say for sure what works for them. What I've found is that they are very, very interested. However... When it comes to SEO, they have this mindset of like throw a few hundred bucks at it and get rankings, um, mm-hmm. which obviously would be a bunch of spammy links. They won't really work. So maybe I think it's more of a, a maturity in their mindset of like what's working in SEO and what's not. Um, that would be like the challenge because I've had several people who have asked me, hey, do you offer SEO? Like what's your prices? And immediately put off, wow, that's too high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know without so i would have to do like i think a lot of education about actually what works in seo now what doesn't work in seo um to get there and then my opinion i have spoken to guess... a few people about pay-per-click sorry i just and like my opinion i think that it you know, just just as it is in the western world um some niches and products would really work for pay-per-click and some really wouldn't so you'd have to judge it on a per case basis. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been there yet. I guess I'd kind of, uh, you kind of half answered one of the questions that I had, which was, um, you know, how difficult is it communicating the importance of, of the website design and, you know, SEO to, to the Chinese uh, factories? Well, they need to trust me. That's the point. They need to just trust my judgment and the only way that's been able to happen so far is that I got direct introductions to them from someone that they trust. Um, and actually, that's been one of the biggest kind of sticking points where I would create a website and they would come back kind of saying, like, are you sure this is good because it looks empty? Or, you know, I'm, I'm not sure about this design. And... Uh, yeah, they just have to trust me. Like my my um, so it's, the point it's more of, of, a, of working with me has to be that. Do you have any? Do you have any yeah. competitors that you know of? Yeah, um, I've 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 only I've seen a bunch of website design companies, um, especially around like Beijing, Shanghai. They seem to be more aimed at tech or more aimed at general. You know, we do websites, so they're doing all sorts. Um, there is one guy, I can't remember his name. Um, but I, on the same day I did a presentation in Dongguan, he gave a presentation in Shenzhen and he's offering almost the same. He's offering SEO pay-per-click and website, uh, to manufacturers specifically in Shenzhen. Um, I don't know how he's doing, but his website is very slick. (laughs) I'm going to reach out to him at some point and make a relationship. But it's early days so far. Hey, Russell, I, I, I can't, I, I didn't hear the last uh, two, two sentences or so. Oh, that's fine. I, I just said, um, 
I'm going to reach out to him at some point. I haven't made a connection with him yet, so I'm not sure how much business Ooh, he's it's, getting. It's pretty bad. No. It's pretty bad. I can't, I can't um, hear anything. <laughs> so I just said, um, I'm not sure how I much business guys, he's getting. Guys, I think we we got to try to reconnect. I mean, I really just, I can't hear anything yeah. at all. Yeah. Uh, maybe, let's try, like, Mike, maybe you call and add Russell to, to the conversation. Right. Okay. What happens? Okay, cool. So we were just talking about competition. Um, and then the punchline was that there was a bunch of um, people offering websites, but not many specifically for manufacturers. But I have found one guy operating out of Shenzhen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, his website looks pretty slick. I'm not sure how much business he's doing, but I haven't reached out to him yet. Um, it could be an interesting uh, prospect if you reached out to him and, and saw what he's up to. Yeah, I'm kind of not sure whether I should at this stage or not. But I think it's interesting. I mean, just one competitor that I found, and I'm actually looking, is quite low for a country the size of China. Just just contact him secretly um, and just pretend like you're a Chinese factory. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Just got to do it before this podcast comes out. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> So I'm assuming, I mean, for man- manufacturers, social media is, is, isn't a big deal or is it not? Maybe I'm mistaken. You know, so far, all of them are going through Alibaba. And like mm-hmm. the whole point is that they're all on Alibaba or like, um, you know, um, global sources and all the other kind of websites. But the reason that they're coming to me is because they know that Alibaba costs money. And they know that the traffic source is not their own. They don't own it at all. Um, so the power of, of their own website, the first power is it's going to help them to stand out on Alibaba itself. When people start checking out their own website, they want to stand out, at least get an inquiry. You know, Even if they don't get the deal, at least someone's going to say, hey, these guys look legit, mm-hmm. let's inquire. Um, and then the second reason that they want their own website is because they want to do SEO. Um, because they believe that when they have their own site and then they have SEO, they own that traffic source even, you know, more than they do on Alibaba, they own that traffic source. And so for them, it's, it's about stepping aside from Alibaba and actually taking the reins a bit in their own marketing. Um, and then the rest, as I said, I haven't actually moved forward with them yet into other online marketing campaigns. I guess that social media like Facebook and Twitter won't be huge, um, but I'm not sure. I'm sure SEO will be quite powerful for them uh, and pay-per-click. What I'm imagining is is actually a lot of content, like trying to really provide super high-quality blogs, instructional, answering questions, like being the authority. And obviously that's going to be a big part of their SEO campaign. Um, that's how I'm imagining it it's going to go but i think the whole spectrum of of online marketing is kind of wide open for the person who can crack crack the code i think you know one thing that's really missing and uh, me and mike were talking about it before when we had uh, a bad experience with a factory recently is like basically the equivalent of a yelp for factories you know like uh customers being able to review the factories that they've used and and talk about their experiences because that's a, that's an aspect that Alibaba is missing it's kind of 
it's kind of murky to to go through Alibaba for the average person and see you know what a good manufacturer is. There's a lot of stuff that they have to to read up on and and have experiences on. You know, I think that's, yeah, I think that would be a great aspect to Alibaba if they had something. You know, they could filter it a little bit. You have to be a verified user. You have to be a verified you know customer. But for people to be able to rate the suppliers and and give a little bit of a background, like you just said, on, on their experience with them, I think that would be huge. Because so many times you find these people on on Alibaba or, or a client that we that reaches out to us eventually. Hey, I found this person on Alibaba. They have this factory. Can you talk to them and see what's going on? When you talk to them, you find out it's just like a loan agent a loan agent who knows some factories in, in the city that they work in and they have this big presentation online. It turns out to be complete BS, you know? And you don't find out about that until you get too far down the road. Yeah, exactly. You're already, mm. you're, you're in too deep at that point. <clears throat> That's really interesting, actually. I think you're actually really spot on because a lot of the the things that work in the West are really heavily based on social proof. You know, you think about right. Amazon, how important the reviews are on Amazon, you know, just to see. One of the first things we do is scroll down and just see what other people say. Yeah, because if you're looking at 1,000 different versions of slippers, you're like, which one is going to be the, the, the one that's the best quality? You're just going to go for the one that most people bought and reviewed the highest, right? Right, exactly. And you would think that that would be more prevalent in China because of what you were saying, Russell, about the Renal. You know, 8,000 people are in are in one you know, you know, night spot for food and 10 people are in the other one. People want to go to the 8,000. So <laughs> you would think that would, that would carry over to, to, to online and yeah. a forum like Alibaba. Well, which is interesting because Taobao does have that, right? Yes. Like Taobao's right. really heavily got that, but yeah, exactly. Alibaba didn't. It's interesting that Alibaba didn't. I mean, I don't know if I'm being really skeptical here. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but how much do you think that would be open to like, corruption i mean oh my gosh they would you know? they would be they would be that would be the biggest thing they would be hiring people left and right to, to boost up their reviews that's for sure <laughs> for um, sure i mean yeah. it's also it's but also corrupt in taobao, that. Though, you know yeah oh yeah there's there's Silly. services on taobao where you can you can spend some money every month and all of a sudden you're a diamond seller you know there, <laughs> right. there's, there's you know there's so much of that in china uh, but you can you can you can figure it out you can see a fake review i mean i i of course you know the average person can kind of if they go through the reviews they can tell like what's a generic review versus what's real you know sure i mean the same thing with instagram right i mean when when you find that page that has thirty thousand followers but their their posts are only getting 30 likes yeah. You know, and it's all generic. Hey, this brand is awesome. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know who's full of shit and who's not. I was going to ask, like, what do you think is the general uh, state of online marketing in China? Do you mean China to China or China to the rest of the world? Uh, China, 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 actually. Like in comparison to, to Western culture. Well, I guess I'm not an expert there at all. I've only got my experience of living there. Um, I think SEO is like way back in the caveman days. Mm-hmm. The SEO, you know, the, the Baidu results are really poor. You know, keyword oh, stuffing terrible. works. It just sucks. Um, on you know, website, on the website, I think it's all pop-ups. It's all invasion, like intrusion marketing. It's like interruption marketing, sorry. Uh, you know, it's really like behind. But the thing that really works in China is social i think like the social aspect 
like I don't think necessarily that the social media marketing is uh, as sophisticated as what we do, but social proof works. Like what people share, their friendship, their friendship circle trusts quickly. But it's you know in general like way behind. But the huge thing is social. I think. So it sounds like there's a there's a lot of potential in that sector. If you can figure out how yeah, to translate I mean, what works in China versus what works in the West. But then I think there's a really big difference, like, because what I'm doing is the reason that my knowledge is, were, is, has value is because their potential clients are foreigners. So they're going after the people that these methods are like tried and tested for. So I've got like a huge advantage because, you know, they're, what they're working with is really unsophisticated like i'm i'm way advanced even though in the west i'm like not that advanced i'm just kind of average um but like those techniques applied to a chinese audience i'm not sure because the culture is so different you know i've got so, no idea how that would go down so russell you see some of these things that are lacking and you kind of give us a snapshot of the current state of online marketing where do you see it going in the future I think China's opening more and more and like, so for example, this company that I gave a presentation for, Hank, every single week they have a presentation with an expert, mostly Chinese, but sometimes foreigners, and they're learning about internet marketing and people turn up. I had 300 people come and they're open, they're interested. And I think, I think they're like China to foreign marketing is going to evolve quite quickly i couldn't hesitate i couldn't guess like how quickly but they're open and i think the difficulty is like a language translation firstly there's a culture translation and there's obviously the actual f literal firewall of china mm -hmm. um meaning the information doesn't get through very quickly so they're always a bit behind but they're definitely hungry like the question on their lips is like what should i do what should i do and what they're trying to do is filter the good information from the bad and it's very difficult for them to filter the good information from the bad because who knows how can you trust any one source which mm -hmm. is why the relationship's important but that side of it like marketing from china to the west is going to grow like because because maybe it's more competitive on alibaba because maybe they're waking up opening up um as for like internet marketing in china china to china i honestly don't know like totally not my bag and wow huge opportunity for anyone who can crack it i reckon all right so i want to i want to yeah. you know change the conversation a little bit take it a little bit more uh personal right um, cool yeah let's go for it so my first question is what is the proudest entrepreneurial moment you've had doing business in china oh i mean you know a twelve thousand dollar brunch, maybe. <laughs> I was like, off, that's a good off the top of my head, I mean, yeah, that's a good answer. Twelve thousand RMB or twelve thousand dollars? Dollars USD. And th and this was something that you were a part of, or you had to pay for? No, no, no. This was the the three contracts that got closed over one brunch. Nice. So, what, what, what was on the table? I'm always interested to hear these these gigantic meals and the type of dishes that were served. Well, it was a it was a dongguan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, I don't think there was any fish heads. It was um, a dongguan 
Dao Cha, or I can't remember, it's like a breakfast. It's a classic Dongguan breakfast, which is kind of like from breakfast into lunch.、Mm-hmm. And so the dishes come out. It wasn't anything spectacular. There was, there was sashimi, there was fish, you know, there was small cakes and noodle dishes. Nothing outrageous, but we were there for quite some time. When you've,、uh, when you've been in China a long time, you've always heard of these amazing brunches and these amazing meals that cost thousands and thousands of dollars. And I had one, my, one, one a guy that's a little older than me and was in sourcing, was kind of like my mentor when I first came up. He, he told this urban legend about this meal that him and a couple other guys were at where it was so expensive and they were having all these dishes and the bosses were you know, trying to show who could bring out the biggest and best dish. And the one boss picks up the phone and he's like, get me the bull's testicles right now. And they actually, <laughs> actually had someone bring in import、yeah. bull testicles from outside and put them on the table so everybody could eat the bull testicle soup. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, the most outrageous we got was、uh, raw fish, which I like anyway. Yeah.、So、nothing too crazy. But,、yeah. I mean, as far as my proudest moment, it's honestly like at that, at that brunch, I signed the three contracts, which for me, like, confirmed, okay, this is a viable business.、Mm-hmm. This is something that could work. Whereas before, like, got lucky with the first, waited six months, got a second, still not sure if it's going to go down, but then when. You know, you sit with three people and they all want to do business with you. You think, okay, this is possible, you know? That's awesome.、Uh, what do you think is the smallest thing you've done that brought about the most results for your business?、Hmm. Honestly, the smallest thing I've done. Well, the, the general thing is invest in relationships all throughout my entrepreneurial life. It's just invest in relationships because every time now I've got a problem, I just reach out to someone and they can introduce me, they can help me. And that, the leverage over time that you get from a small follow up, you know? Yes. I want to ask you something because this is something that I think about all the time. You know, having been in China so long and I meet so many people, and, you know, you hear people like us, you know, some people who might be listening to this hear us talking about relationship, relationship, relationship. But how deep are those relationships? You know, because how, how many people can you meet? How many deep relationships can you have in, in, in China? Can you, can you go into a little bit more detail on what that relationship actually entails? Sure.、Um, <clears throat> let me just think. I mean, what I do to maintain a relationship in China is very simple. It's just kind of like, just be present, just be there. Like, I'm just liking stuff that they, that they share on WeChat and QQ. If they, if they go out to the countryside with their wife and maybe their kids, I just like them. And then I leave a comment like, you know, hey, you know, hey, Hank, haven't seen you for a long time. Wonderful holiday. That's fine.、Right. You know?、mm-hmm. Stuff、right. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I'm horrible you know, for, at that. <laughs> I suck at that. That's what I always try to do too. And, and, you know, my, to someone listening, I might sound a little bit, you know, super, superficial and not that deep of a relationship, but I think that's what I've ran into in China. I don't have a ton of very, very, what I would call close Chinese friends, but I have a lot of people that I consider my friends and I have this 
relationship with them where, you know, occasionally we talk, occasionally we share some information. And I think that itself goes a long way. I barely mm. like totally my relatives' agree. photos. I don't know how I could keep up with them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you have to make a conscious effort, I think. Right. Yeah, you you keep know. those thumbs busy. <laughs> and like, Man, I'll, and, I'll so rather I think go like, out and drink Baijiu together. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that helps too. Like for someone that hasn't done business in China before and they're thinking like, how do I build these relationships? You have to say the really honest, like, I mean, the really obvious thing, the really simple thing. It's like, it means something to them when you just say, yes, I am very happy that we are friends now. <laughs> you know, and we wouldn't say that to a Westerner because it would be too strange. You have to like get over that. Ah, I'm very happy, yeah. Um, and even sometimes they say things, weird kind of translation, but they'll say they miss you, perhaps. Right, and right. stuff like that. And you're like, yeah. I hardly know this guy. I literally <laughs> met him once, like two we years ago. We just met two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, and you could say, yes, you know, I miss Dongguan too, or I miss you too, if you can handle yeah. it. Yeah. And yes, it's those really, really small things that add up over time. But then you'll find that they open quickly after that. Yeah. So it's not a deep relationship. But then when you go to them and say, hey, man, I need help. Could you, you just, you know, do something for me? Bang. They will do it most of the time if they can. Um, <clears throat> so it's not deep, but you're just always constantly like refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. I'm thinking of you. That's all it says. I care about the relationship. I'm thinking of you. If someone were to understand you better or to understand your um, idea about business, uh, what three books would you recommend to them? So the first book uh, is Work the System, Sam Carpenter. Love the book. It's about just systematizing your business, making every all the moving parts into a, a repeatable system as much as you possibly can. Um, and that really just stuck with me. Like it comes, everything, everything comes down to me is systems now. Um, <clears throat> there's another book called The End of Jobs by Taylor Pearson. Oh, I know that. Um, yeah and like for me that really just puts me in a place something's happening in the western world i'm not sure what it is but i think there's much more value now on an entrepreneurial skill set which doesn't have a piece of paper to qualify it but if you can make organized things out of chaotic situations by building systems by having ideas there's a big value for you in the future and the book kind of really goes into that um and then, you know, a third book. Maybe I've just got two. Work the system, end of jobs. Those two just, okay. That's, that's completely fine. That's a good start. Oh, hey, let me let me give you one more book just sprang to mind. I can't remember the author. Mr. China. Have you read the book, Mr. China? No, I haven't even heard of that. Like uh, a friend, Mike Michelini, he recommended it to me. It's about some guys that, in like big, like Wall Street investment guys that went into China the very early days when it was opening up. And their whole idea was like American cash, American investment, let's like lay down the money and make some serious cash. And what they found out was that their money disappeared because <laughs> China, China can't be just like bought. You know, they think they're in control and then suddenly everything's different. Mm -hmm. The book, Mr. China, is a really powerful book for someone who wants to understand China. That's um, good. Yeah. And in the end, he's kind of humbled and he like respects China, which is a nice kind of ending to the book. 
That's that's what happens when you deal with China. It will humble you. Hey, Russell, man, this has been a great talk. I think anybody listening is going to get a ton of value from this conversation. Um, and in closing, I was just thinking, you know, is there any basic or general advice you have for aspiring entrepreneurs out there? I I I, I just think you have to do something, whatever it is. Like the best advice I can get is get from a position of I want to do and I'm going to do to I do and or I'm doing like as soon as you possibly can. Um, I think it's good for you like as an entrepreneur because then you start taking action, making mistakes, improving, refining what you're doing. And also it makes it much easier to make friends in who are also uh, in business because when you turn up and you say, hey, you know, my name is Russ, I do this. Cool. That's interesting. You can open a conversation. Whereas I think it's quite hard to open a conversation with, hi, my name is Russ. I want to do this. Um, it's just, <clears throat> I've noticed, and I think that for someone getting out, I just think like, take action, just whatever direction it is you think you're going, just like get going basically. All right. And I think that was, uh, that was a, that's a good place to end it. Uh, where can people, cool. where can people find you? <clears throat> my website is uh, strategicmanufacturer.com. Um, I specifically offer marketing for manufacturers, but people can contact me there, especially anyone looking to do business in China or advice about China. I, you know, I'd be happy to talk anytime. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. I think we're going to wrap it up, right? Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks, Russell. That was great, man. I really, really, really hope that uh, the audios turn up because um, yeah, that, was, that, was, that, was, that was good, man. I appreciate it. Me too. It. Yeah. I mean, really great to chat, guys. I appreciate it very much. Sweet. All right, All right gents. Wait, Cheers. Wait, wait. I have to do my outro. <laughs> okay. Outro time. Um, oh, yeah. If, guys, if you want to find us, you can email us at info at sourcefindasia.com. That's I-N-N-F-O. I-N-F-O at sourcefindasia. Um, of course, Made in China podcast. We need reviews on iTunes. We need more American reviews, actually. We're, we're dominating the Canadian charts, but struggling on the U.S. side. Um, and of course, the website is sourcefindasia.com, uh, Twitter at sourcefindasia, and same with Instagram. See you guys next time. Visions of Martin Luther staring at me. Malcolm X put a hex on my future, someone catch me. I'm falling victim to a revolutionary song, the Serengeti's clone. Back to put you back, stab us back on your spinal bone. You slit your disc when I slit you my dish. You wanted to diss, but jumped on my dick.